If you want to restore a car, you can't stop partway through. That's the thing about restoration. It's a process that takes time and sacrifice. I know you want to restore, but you need to understand something. That if you want to join me in this project of restoration, you need to understand that it is messy, it is dirty, and it requires sacrifice. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. If you want to see real restoration take place in your community, in your relationships, or even in your own life, it's going to require sacrifice. Robert Quintana shares the third part in his series, A Perfect Restoration. You know, one of the stories that just captured my imagination as a child Bible story was that of Jonah. I mean, come on. Being swallowed up by a whale and then being vomited up on shore. How crazy is that? How awesome is that? And you know, as I got older, you know, and I had a chance to read it for myself and kind of go through the book of Jonah You know, you have all these spiritual lessons that start popping out at you. And one of the questions that I guess I've always had in the back of my mind once I got to read the book for myself is, why in the world did Jonah decide that it was a good idea to run away from God? Like, why did he think that was a good idea? I mean, most of us, live a life, or maybe you've been guilty of this as I have, is God, speak to me, talk to me, let me know your will, and give me a sign. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it no matter what. And here, Jonah is given a direct command as to what God wanted him to do. And what does he do? He runs literally in the opposite direction. God says to him, I need you to go to Nineveh. And he says, I don't think that's a very good idea. So he heads down to Joppa. He buys a ticket to get on the next ferry across across the sea. And he's headed to Tarshish. What made him do that? Never a good idea to be in a direction that is away from the presence of God. We need to be living a life that's towards the presence of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. It's never a good idea to run away from the presence of God. Some of us here today have learned that the hard way. Right? Some of us have learned that the hard way. Teenage years, mid-twenties, early thirties, maybe you've been running away from God and now you're here today, maybe with a few missing teeth, a few scars, a few broken relationships, and you've come to realize, you know what? It wasn't a good idea to run away from the presence of God. And that's why I'm here today. But whatever got in Jonah's head to run away from the presence of God. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, and here, obviously he was good at what he was called to do. Because in chapter three, verse one, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. 
after he had been spit up on the shore, it came up to him a second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of these. And if you continue reading the story, the king got word of what was going on. The king puts out this decree. He says, we all need to fast. We all need to pray. And we know the story. God spared Nineveh. But Jonah was good. I mean, the first day that he was in town, he was changing hearts. He was bringing people to God the first day that he was in the city. So why? Why did Jonah leave? We really don't know exactly why Jonah chose to run away from the presence of God and not do what God was calling him to do. The end of the book of Jonah, he's, he's kind of upset. He's kind of going back and forth with God. And, and one of the things he says is, I knew you'd save him. I knew that you would do this because you're a merciful God. And I knew that you would do this. And it's almost as though Jonah is saying, you inconvenienced me to do something that I knew you would do to begin with. And, and I was living a, a comfortable life. I was happy. And you called me out of my comfort zone. You know, we've already learned in this series that God is a God of restoration. That God desires restoration. God seeks restoration, not only in your lives and in your marriages and in your relationships, but he seeks restoration worldwide. He wants to bring restoration. And that is what God is currently in the process of doing. This puzzle that blew up into a billion pieces some 6,000 years ago, God is in the process right now of bringing these pieces back together and restoring this planet to its original intent. God loves restoration. God desires restoration for you and for me and for everyone around us. God desires restoration. We've also learned in this series that the role that faith plays in restoration. We learned that faith is like a key that unlocks the power that comes from God where we get to experience restoration. But not only does faith unlock that power, faith also helps us get through those moments in life when we don't experience restoration the way we think restoration ought to be. And so faith helps us to get through those moments in time. And so we learn the role that faith plays in restoration. Today, I hope to discover with you is that restoration requires sacrifice. And if we all are called to restore a community or a town or a relationship or our own lives, we need to remember and we need to keep in mind that restoration requires sacrifice. I'm not the only one that says this. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 says this. 
Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with the fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. I'm telling you, God is a God that loves to restore. He loves, he desires to restore, whether it's physical healing whether it's mental healing, psychological healing, whether it's spiritual healing, God longs to restore us. And here in verse 16, the restoration just continues. It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities And bore our sicknesses. Restoration requires sacrifice. And here Jesus on this earth. Bringing restoration to everyone that he comes into contact with. Ultimately took upon himself the sins of the world. Took upon himself your sins, my sins. And he sacrificed himself on the cross for the purpose of Restoration, you see, because restoration requires sacrifice. In verse 18, and when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came to him saying, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. This scribe comes to him and says, I dig what you're doing, man. I am all about this restoration that you're doing. I want to be a part of it. And this guy, this scribe, he says to them, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I want to be a part of this restoration project that you're on. I want to be a part of that. Now, whenever I have anyone that comes to me and says, Pastor, I want to get involved with church, I get excited. I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I say, awesome. Praise God. Let's set up an appointment. Give me your name, your number. Let's try and plug you in. This is exciting stuff. I want you involved. And for some reason, Jesus isn't so excited. Jesus didn't get as excited as I do when people come to me and say, I want to serve. Instead, Jesus gives this warning to this scribe. And let's read this warning that Jesus gives him here in verse 20. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I want you to understand something, my friend, that restoration requires sacrifice. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And what he says, what he responds, sounds a little bit insensitive here in verse 22. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Restoration requires sacrifice. And Jesus is saying, listen, I know you want to restore, but you need to understand something that if you want to join me in this project of restoration, you need to understand that it is messy, it is dirty, and it requires sacrifice. And I am afraid That our Christian community in this country has just gotten way too complacent. And somehow we think that if in order to restore, well, we can just put a few dollars in the plate. We can put a 20 in the plate and that be it. 
And I'm not saying that giving from your tithe and offerings is a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all because the work needs to go forward. And and unfortunately, yes, we need money to have that work go forward. But if you're sitting here thinking that that's all it's going to take, that that's all you have to do, you are sorely mistaken. Because God calls us to a restoration project that, guess what, requires sacrifice. We cannot sit back on our pews and just expect someone else to do it. We can't sit back and just say, well, the pastor's been trained for ministry. Let him go restore the world. Well, yeah, he knows the Bible. He knows the Bible studies to give. That's his job. Folks, if we have given our lives over to Christ and if we are experiencing that restoration process, For ourselves, which I believe every one of us here today is experiencing that restoration that God longs for our lives. We are compelled to say, God, I want to join you in this restoration project. And that restoration requires sacrifice. I want to share with you a documentary that I came across not too long ago. I, I want you to know that I intend to show this documentary to the church and to the community. And I'm kind of just going to whet your appetite here today. I'm not going to spoil it for you because I really want you to come back and see this video with me. It's a very real, very powerful, it's very raw footage, uh, this documentary of this crew that sets out to help people. But this video teaches us so many lessons, teaches us lessons of the choices that we make in life, how it affects those around us and how it can affect us. It teaches us lessons of forgiveness. It, it teaches us lessons about life and, and God and family and relationships. There are so many lessons to be learned in this documentary, but the one lesson that just stood out more than any was that restoration requires sacrifice. It's a team called Random One. You can check them out online, Random One, the, the number one.com. And what this team does is that they go around the country and they randomly pick one person to help. And they, once they find that person in some town, they just go up to that person and they ask that person, what is the one thing that I can do for you right now that'll help you break through to the next chapter in your life? And that's all they do. And they just find random people to do this. One of the ones that you can see if you go to the website online, randomone.com, because if you go to their, their film archives, they have all of these little clips of things that they've done around the country. One of them wasn't very far from here in Baltimore. They found a guy that had a stiff leg and they came to him and they said, what is the one thing that we can do for you? That will help you break through to the next chapter in your life. And he said, man, if I can just get a a, a new leg. I mean, I've had this leg for a long time and it just, this leg just holds me back from being able to find work and to keep work. It's just holding me back. And so they said, so you mean to tell us that that if we can find you a, a good leg, one that bends, that that'll help you get through? He says, yes. Well, how much is it? Well, they run around $20,000. Well, Random One doesn't give out money. They try and partner up people with 
with organizations or other people that might help. So they immediately get on the phone and they start calling organizations. They start calling people. And after a while, after a few hours of searching, they were able to find an organization that provides limbs to people in need. And when the news was shared to this man, I just, you, you need to go online and just see the expression on his face. He's so overwhelmed with joy and with tears. And, 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 and all he can say was, I hope this isn't a dream. I hope this isn't a dream. I hope that this isn't a dream. This documentary that I want to share with you is of this team. They find themselves in this little town in Rhode Island, and I'm probably going to slaughter the name, Wound Socket, Rhode Island. They're looking around for someone to reach out to, and they find this man by the name of Mark. After meeting him for just a few moments, they realize that he is an alcoholic and that he is homeless. They ask him, where do you live? Can you show us where you live? And so he takes them somewhere in the back, in the back of the woods. And there, there's this tent, there's this makeshift kitchen, there's trash everywhere, and there are are alcohol, beer, um, vodka, bottles everywhere. And they say to him, "You, you can't continue living like this. And he says, I know, I don't want to, but but I need help. And so they say to him, what is the one thing that we can do to help you break through and help you get to the next chapter in your life? And he says, man, if I could, if I could only scrape up enough money to go to detox. That's all I need. 200, 250 bucks, six day program for me to go to detox. And so they were able to find the money. They pay for the man's detox, but they don't stop there. And I wonder how many of us would stop there. How many of us would say, you know what, here's the $200, good luck, you're on your own. And we walk away and we might say, you know what, I did my part, the rest is up to him. But they didn't stop there. They arranged afterwards a Safeway, a halfway house called Wilson House. Because they knew that if he went through detox and he was done with detox and he went back in the streets, guess what? He would be back in the same place. So they went the extra mile and they lined up for him a place where he can stay. That as long as he held a job and remained sober, he can stay at the Wilson house. And then they found this barber. This barber that is a recovering alcoholic. He's been sober for some 30 years, but he still carries the scars and he understands what what someone struggling with that kind of addiction goes through. And so they took him to his barber shop. The guy is talking his language. He, he shaves him up. He cuts his hair and he's encouraging him and saying, Mark, I'm here for you. Anything that you need, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here for you. Well, this documentary aired back in around uh, 2005, some seven years ago now. What happened shortly after that film aired on A&E was that Random One received an email. Now, I need to back up here because something that I didn't tell you about the story is that Mark wasn't alone. He had a good friend. His name was Norman, is Norman. He was also an alcoholic and he was also homeless. They were sleeping together in the same tent, living in the woods together. Before Mark went to detox, he told 
um, he said to the two guys that were trying to help him, is there any way we can track down Norman? Because I want to be able to say bye to him. The guys agreed, no problem, we'll go look for him. And they find Norman. And, and, and just that interaction alone, it's just so powerful. When Mark says to Norman, Norman, I'm going to detox. I'm getting clean. This is it. And Norman is, is kind of happy, but at the same time, he's kind of sad because he's losing a good friend. And, and, and you really don't know what Norman is thinking. But then in, in, in this slurred voice, Norman says to Mark, he says, man, I'm happy for you. And if you get clean, I promise you that I'll help you stay clean. And the two guys kind of chuckle. Because they're like, how is this drunk going to help Mark stay clean? They're thinking we need to take, get Mark, you know, as far away from this guy as possible. But what happened after this program aired on A&E was that Random One got an email. And the email read something like this. Whatever happened to Norman? We haven't seen him in years. He's our father. We thought he was dead. And so Random One says, man, we need to go back. We need to go back. We've moved on, but we need to go back on this one. And so they go and they find Mark, who by this time has been about 130 days sober. And they say to Mark, Mark. We need to get Norman in detox. Are you willing to help us? Because we think that you're the only one that can reach out to Norman. And so they spend an entire day from house to house, driving around the city, trying to find Norman. And they finally locate Norman. And Norman is shocked. He says, Mark, what are you doing? Did you go through detox? He says, yeah, I've been sober for 130 days now. And then Mark says to him, I'm here to take you to detox. And at first, Norman's a little bit hesitant. He's not sure that this is what he wants to do. And and he's thinking, but then he remembers a promise that he made to Mark. That if you go sober, I'll help you stay sober. And Norman realizes that I can't help you stay sober if I'm drinking. That's where I'm going to end the story. Because I want you to come back and see this documentary. I am going to say this, however. That it took one of these fellas about 17 times to go through detox before he finally got clean. not going to tell you which one it was. I'm just going to tell you that it took one of them about 17 times... To go through detox before he got clean. Let me ask you a question. Where would you have stopped? Would you have stopped after the first time? And said, I gave you your chance, buddy. I gave you your chance and you blew it. Would you have stopped after three times? Three, three strikes and you're out. Would you have stopped when Peter said, how many times do I forgive you know, my brother, seven times, would you have stopped after seven? Would you have stopped after 10? I thank God that he has not given up on us. I thank God that he continues to reach out no matter the cost. 
I thank God that he continues to restore your life and my life, even though we continue to go back on our word, even though we continue to fall and sin. I thank God that he loves restoration so much that he is willing to sacrifice. What do you need help with? What is the one thing that I can do for you right now that will help you get to the next chapter in your life? What is it? It, 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 Do you just need a friend? Do you just need someone to listen? Do you need someone to line up a job interview for you? Do you need someone to just walk with you and just knock on every business in town until we find a job for you? Is that what you need? What do you need? Do you need time off from, from your from your kids? You want me to babysit? I mean, what is it that you need food? I mean, is that what you need? What do you need clothes? What do you need me to visit you in prison? I mean, what is it that you need from me? Because if I have any hope of restoring you, I understand it is going to require sacrifice. And that this, 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 arm's length ministry that we've gotten comfortable with just doesn't cut it it is just not good enough but we cannot get spiritually obese we need to exercise our faith and god calls us to a ministry of restoration and i'm telling you that that restoration requires sacrifice anchor points with robert quintana is a ministry of the frederick seventh day adventist church of frederick maryland If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at frederickSDAchurch.org. God longs to make you whole, to restore you completely. Next week, we hope you can join us as Robert Quintana shares the next part of this series, A Perfect Restoration, by showing how that restoration process can begin now. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at frederickSDAchurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.